Sorry, 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 sorry. Was, uh, editing a little audio. Welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I like the, I forgot. Someone texted me. He's like, oh, you also forgot that not only was Bailey Zappi put in the two-drive Hall of Fame, but he became the coolest guy in the history of ever because he was lip-syncing Stacy's mom while it was being played on the overhead. Overhead, what am I, 12-year-old? When it was being played on the sound system inside Foxborough. It was just a Gillette Stadium. Oh, man, he threw a touchdown pass, and he likes Stacy's mom, And he's too. singing along with Stacy's mom. My gosh, that's my soulmate. And then this literally. my guy. I I kind of still think Mac Jones is their guy. I just Fast don't know forward. if he's 100. I, I hate this zappy character. So, hey, let's just real quick. There was... There was some stuff on DJ Graham for both coaches yesterday. Now, uh, it's a little bit later on. That's what I was I was trying to find in the Levy press conference. I thought I had chopped it up, but Levy Levy went first, and he did. As I said, it was it was kind of Jeff was great yesterday, but it was kind of cool how you know they answered a few of the questions. Like for instance, let me give you the question here on one. Let me give you a question here on one DJ Graham and kind of how the the answer played out. Or well, let's make sure I I always cue it up so I get to the actual answer and not the question. So let's see if we can hear the full question here on DJ Graham. Okay. Oh, that's not it. Oh for one. Um maybe here. Yeah, I, I think it was a big week for everybody. Oh, here, okay, yeah. DJ Graham m- making that move, and what what have you seen from him that makes you think he could have an impact on this side of the ball? Yeah, I, I think it was a big week for everybody, just from the standpoint of of uh, man getting fresh, uh, having a week to be able to get a jump on these guys uh, going into Ames on Saturday, and I don't not just for DJ, but for the entire unit, for the entire football team, just again creating some fresh legs and. Uh, Getting these guys a little bit of rest while still having a great week of work and getting a good jump, so it was uh, it was good for everybody. So, in other words, hey, no answer at all, no answer on DJ Graham. When Ted Roof was asked about it, and by the way, by the way, I don't, I can't remember who asked the question, but you you <laughs> you kind of baited him a little bit. Because they're like, hey, when Jeff Levy answered the question, he kind of deferred to the defense. No, 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 Jeff Levy deferred to Brent Venables. Is who he deferred to, but here was here was the question to Ted Roof on DJ Graham. Asked uh, Jeff about this, and he sort of deferred it to the defense with, with DJ Graham. What, what did you see of him as, as a defensive back in this defense? And what precipitated? That's a question for Coach Adams. Let's, I'm not going to address position moves or injuries. Not going to address position moves. Thank you. And that definitely, from the defensive side, it definitely makes sense. Sure, of course it does. It makes m- more sense for the offensive staff to say oh man we're thrilled to have him and here's what we think he can add for us if I'm coach roof I'm kind of like well you took one of my guys away right exactly yeah, yeah. go ahead yeah. and ask the head coach about why you asked head one coach of my about players. it and, and and again I don't know I, I don't know what that looks like you know maybe for Ted Riff's like gosh thank you <laughs> finally got him out of here <laughs> or or maybe it is like yeah that's our depth what are you doing why'd you put him over there I, I don't know which way it looks that like. was uh a tricky Tricky presentation by the media there. I don't, I, and I don't know. I don't know who that was, and I don't think he was trying to be a jerk. But I'll play the when I find it here. I'll p- play the question when it was asked. Hey, you know what was it that you saw that you want to bring the offensive side? And he's like, oh, that's an all. Jeff Lovey goes, I'll defer any questions to to Brent Venables on that. And then the basic, <laughs> it, it sounded like my daughter. 
right? And this was a great example last night, uh, this morning. Like from one parent to another. Right. My eight-year-old. Can I have a cookie for breakfast? I'm sitting there in the kitchen, having a cup of coffee, doing, making the lunches, doing the dad thing. And my, my wife goes, no, you can't have a cookie for breakfast. You can't do it. Please, Mom. No, you can't have a cookie for breakfast. Wife leaves the room, goes and grabs something. Literally, my ear looks at me and goes, Dad, can I have a cookie for breakfast? That's literally what just happened there. Indeed. He didn't defer to the defense. He deferred to Brent Venables. But I'll play it for you so you guys can hear it. It was just funny to me. <laughs> Whoever that is, uh, <laughs> I, I admire the grind, but you're, you're giving us the bad name. This right. is why they don't like us. Yeah, it's like. And then, could I mean, I don't know how much Ted Roof and Jeff Levy talk during the day, but could you imagine, like, if they go, hey, what are you doing telling the media that you defer to me? He's like, I didn't say that. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Uh, so here was kind of the, the opening statement from, from – by the way, Jackie, you got to stop sending these text messages in the middle of my show, okay? Because I get these nerds that reply all day long to things. Thank you. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Cool. Stop. Please, I beg you. I'm on from nine to noon. So and so loved this. Do it so and so emphasized. So and so liked this. And I can't. And someone's like, "Well, just don't look at your phone." You can't. It's impossible. There's news that breaks. Someone, a source might text you on something. All right, back to the point. Jeff Levy, right. by the way, nine to noon, Jackie. Nine to noon every single day since you've known me. Jeff Levy, by the way, great case study in. Don't even answer the question. Just say what you want to say. You know, bro, that was fantastic. I mean, fantastic. Hey, DJ Graham and, and getting that adjustment. Ah, oh, it's been a great week. Everybody great week for rest. everybody. Great week for everybody. Recovery. I think I might have just broke this day. <laughs> Any um, other questions? Well, let me tell you about this. Uh, Jeff Levy talked about, you know, the bye week and kind of his thoughts on the way things went this week in the start of his press conference. DJ Graham. Oh, hold on. I forgot to change my cue. Here you go. They played really, really well, uh, really defensively. Oh, by the way, by the way. Wrong cue. I'm a mess right now with my look at my cues today. It's just all shorthand. Iowa State was how Jeff Lebby, the first question of his press conference. They played really, really well. Uh, really defensively, have given them a chance to win every single game they've played. So just a ton of respect for how they play, the way they play, uh, how well they're coached, and uh, be a great challenge for us on the road this weekend. Yep. Now, again, like we said, Jeff Lebby, good case study today, and you can ask your questions, but he's going to answer it, you know, in, in a team mindset. He, he was kind of asked – well, he wasn't kind of. He was asked – I think James asked the question about, you know, hey, last week to have that excitement of, of how well it played, but, you know, knowing Dylan preparing and, and getting ready for things and how he's a grinder, kind of just what's this week been like of both rest and obviously seeing a quarterback that wants to grind. It was all about, you know, refreshing – and our guys getting the opportunity to uh, to still have a great week of work, but understanding that there wasn't an immediate opponent, but it was so much more about us just getting better every single day. You know, and, and our guys did a great job of that. Again, I think we got a great jump on what we've got going this weekend. And uh, Dylan had a really good week, again, from an arm care standpoint, a body standpoint, you know, body, mind, and spirit. I think all those guys did a great job of taking advantage of the time that we did have, and now we're uh, are getting ready to roll. It's good from Levy. Um, the balance of rest versus reps, right? You're you're still in a lot of ways learning a new defense. Learn, I think the same. I think James asked the same question of Coach Roof and got a really good answer. But the the balance of rest versus reps, right? No, in fact, let's let's play the Ted Roof one here. The balance of 
being in a position where you're still, in a lot of ways, installing what you want to do, right? There's still a certain sense of these guys are learning how to play this defense. And then in the same vein, you also have to prepare for an Iowa State team. So reps versus rest, what was that like this week? Uh to, to your first question, yeah, we, we continued with that, and we also uh, took a hard look at ourselves, uh, which we do every week, but a, an extended self-scout. I just got out of a two-hour uh, self-scout presentation where a group of coaches on our staff were reviewing our defense and you know what, we, what they saw, how they would attack us, things of that nature, because uh, always, you always want to look at yourself sometimes, how the other team, what do they see? And so that, that was really really helpful. A lot of it's affirmation, things you already know, and it's just different perspective and different viewpoints. Uh, as far as the Iowa State team, I've seen a very uh, efficient offense. Uh, you know, the quarterback is he's efficient. He leads the Big 12 in completions. Uh, they, they have only given up three sacks, which may be the best in the country. I, I don't know, but certainly not very many. Uh, so they don't beat themselves. You know, they, they stay on schedule. And uh, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of their games, you see a lot of the, the third and two to fours, two to fives, where, you know, you've got to be efficient on those those down and distances and get off the field. Um, so it's it's a it's a real challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wasn't done. Obviously, there's a lot here. We're hearing from Ted Roof, defensive coordinator for the Oklahoma Sooners, on preparation for Iowa State, and Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator for OU, on preparation for the Cyclones. Gosh, the, the answers to the Bowman and the key questions were really short, right? Hey, Billy Bowman, what have you missed in him? Hey, we missed a good player. Key Lawrence, what kind of led to him? Well, he prepared well. You know, those were the <laughs> – I literally just saved you probably 10 seconds of audio from him. But getting off the field on third downs, and I've been someone on this radio show and on our radio network that has argued whether or not, you know, it's, it's still truly the way to gauge – you know, third downs, because anymore you see a lot of teams in, especially in the new era of the NFL, where third down is just setting you up to go for it on fourth down, right? Third down is just setting you up to go on fourth. But here was, here was Ted Roof talking about third down stops and where he needs to see improvement. Uh, It's critical at every level of football uh, with every team, uh, you know, because when we've gotten off the field this year on third down, we've, we've, we've played well. And when we haven't done a good job on third down, for whatever reason, uh, whether it's a penalty, a, you know, a mistake, or whatever, a bad call, whatever, it's it comes back. It's come back to bite us. Uh, when we've had opportunities to get off the field and haven't, uh, those drives have gone on and usually cost us points more times than not. So there's a, there's a big focus on that, you know, moving forward to get better on third down. On first down, the winning first down, putting there. them in down and distance sure. situations, are you not seeing what you want there? Because a lot of times you're seeing third management for the other team too. Uh, we, we want to get better on everywhere. I mean, you know, that's certainly when you're better on first and second down, third down becomes more predictable. And that's, you know, that's, that's football. But the, the situational awareness, the situational efficiency, all the things that goes into you know that go into becoming a you know a top level defense. There you go. Uh, we got much more from these two dudes, and we're an hour away from Brent Venables coming up on the Sooner Radio Network. So, was there anything else that really 
kind of caught my eye. Yeah, uh, th- this was more specific from Ted Roof. Re- uh, again, I think it's one of the great challenges. Rest versus repetition versus staying sharp versus staying fresh. You know, it's it's a challenge in a bye week, right? Because you want guys to heal. It's been a long season without a break. Right? There was there was not a lot of, hey, guys, take three days. Right? No, that didn't exist in the – the, the the championship strain. Basically eleven straight weeks, right? Three three months that right. you've been going at it. Right. And you know, it wasn't necessarily an overly lengthy answer, but I thought it was really good on that challenge of all right, how how do you balance staying sharp with making sure guys are a hundred percent? Well you know that that is something you want. You want growth and improvement and you also want to start this week with a fresh football team. And I think that uh, the plan that Coach Venables put in place was excellent, and we were able to accomplish you know, both, both of those objectives. We certainly got better last week, and at the same time, we're, we, we're a refreshed, energized football team. Now, uh, one more thing from Coach Roof. One more thing from Coach Roof. And that is, we're not fools. We all see Iowa State has struggled just a bit offensively. Is that a fair way to put it, Josh? Yeah, oh yeah. Just a little bit offensively. Here's what well, and I should say, they've been amazing defensively. They've been a really good defensive football team. So we know that Ted Roof is preparing for an offense, but what has he seen from this Iowa State defense that's caught his eye? Uh, they play great defense and they've done a great job. Um, and we certainly we respect their entire football team, not just their defense. We, we respect their entire football team. Uh, and if you look at their football team, they're sitting there at a record of three and four, but we could be playing a team just as easily that's seven and oh. When you look at all their, all their games are one possession, all their losses are one possession losses, that's one play. So, you know, they're, they're one play away in four games from being seven and oh. So we, uh, we, have a, we, have, we respect every opponent, but certainly have a lot of respect for Iowa State and how they do what they do. What are they, top, top 10, number six in the country? Scoring defense. Scoring defense is what matters to me. I, I like total defense, but scoring defense is probably number one, number one on my, on my stats that matter depth chart. They're top 10 total defense, yeah. too, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, look, are you keeping people out of the end zone or are you keeping points off the board? That's what's important, right? You, wait, hold on. Are you <laughs> keeping people out of the end keeping points? That, that, to me, is what matters. Where are they on? Yeah, that's a good one. Turnovers gained for Iowa State. I don't know if necessarily they've been very good here. They, um, yeah, see, they're not even in the top 50. Turnovers gained. I was going to go to their game notes, but they haven't updated them yet. So, it's a really good defense. But I think you noticed in what, yeah, 76th in the country with 10 turnovers forced in their seven games. Yeah. So And only four picks. So they're doing that defensively without relying on forcing a ton of turnovers. Yeah, they've, they've not been one of the best takeaway teams. That's impressive. All right, we got more Jeff Lebby. Uh, someone asked in the Air Comfort Solutions text line, no one asking about if Bevel's a backup. Oh, yeah, it was asked, and I'll play it for you next. That's Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. This is the Home of Sooner Fans. I need like 40 more seconds in our commercial break, like 40 more seconds. Do you need me to buy you some time? Nah, it's all good. I was just trying to cue this up. It's Plank Show right here on The Ref. 
with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Toss this note into our let's round up the full sports slate. Okay. Jim Nance, final, final four coming up this spring. Yeah, I saw that. Ian Eagle's going to be the dude that, that takes over. I think, you know, it's kind of weird. Ian does a really good job. Yeah. His son is the one calling our game cert day. Boy, you know they've really dipped us down the depth chart whenever Noah Eagle is calling our game. And that's not because Noah Eagle isn't good. He's the next Joe Buck. But just, he's like 25 years old. <laughs> so as an internship. Must be nice. As an internship, uh, no, we're going to send you out to Ames. If his name was Noah Plank or Noah Helmer, he wouldn't be calling this game. Yeah, that guy would be getting us coffee. That's right. Um, but it's fine. He's really good. So Ian Eagle is going to be calling the Final Four. And Jim Nance, I mean, he's been – it was what it was Jim Nance and Billy Packer for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been the voice of the Final Four for as long as I can remember. Since 91 Oh is, gosh. is when he started doing play-by-play. I didn't – okay, so it's been a really, really, really long time. Do we even remember who was before him? Was it Musburger? Let's see. Help me out, media nerds. It's got to be Musburger. But there you go. Jim Nance. It's his time, Nance said to the New York Post. And I won't lie to you. I didn't realize that there was this push for Ian Eagle to be the guy. I didn't know. Now, for instance, in the NBA, there would always been that push for Kevin Harlan to take over. Everyone loves him calling NBA games, Mike Breen. I mean, those those are dudes where it's like, okay, listen, it's their guy's time. I didn't realize that it was that realm for Ian Eagle in basketball, but he'll do a great job, man. I'm excited about it. Jim so- Nance is so good, dude. I mean, just even this quote he gives the New York Post is just pure class. It's his time. I'll support him a thousand percent, but he doesn't need my support. I'm absolutely thrilled for him. He's a great teammate. He's been right in the middle of the NCAA tournament for a long, long time, so he's not dropping in from outside. I mean, he's going to be working an extra weekend. It happens to the big one. (laughs) It happens to be the big one, excuse me. And he is definitely capable and ready and will excel, and he'll take it to all new heights. That's pretty cool. Very, Very good listen. Informed, educated, proper amount of enthusiasm it'll be it'll be tough to beat Jim Nance but I think Ian Eagle will do a tremendous job real quick just since we're on broadcasters before I get to Jeff Levy talking about the balance of rest and and stuff and then we'll get to the air comfort solutions text line can we also carve out a point segment we can talk about a college football broadcaster I'm gonna stay generic here I was watching on Saturday night that I've completely just wanted, done a 180 on. Oh, man. I, like, can't take it anymore. And I don't – I mean, I don't get it. Bro, you're, you're the play-by-play guy. It's, this isn't sports talk with you. No, or, please. Or I don't need you drawing things on the telestrator. Just let your analyst do his job. <laughs> Call the game. I'm begging you. As Jim Norton once said whenever the – the great Jimmy Norton – whenever the CBS Super Bowl pregame show was giving their opinion on Plaxico Burris and gun control – Jim Norton said, what down is it, dummies? Call the game. Tell me what's going on. I don't need your perspective on gun control and whether or not Plaxico Burroughs should have a gun in his sweatpants. Thank you. It's like, I don't need your perspective on it. It was like it was like Mike Tirico on Sunday night. Oh, my gosh. 
Mike Trico's like, all right, now I know everyone thinks they know everything about concussions, but you're like, shut up. Go to your sideline reporter for that. I don't need your perspective on concussions. Or let Collinsworth or handle let, it. Whose son had to retire because of concussions. And literally, that was like an afterthought. You you had to make this choice. Yeah, my son. All right, that's a great story. Third down and two. That actually would be a good clip if you have it and can't find it somewhere. What Collinsworth said on the Tua situation was really, really, really good. good. Really good. And it went under the radar because Mike Trico was busy mansplaining to us how <laughs> – Concussions and now and and no one touches any criticism of Mike Tirico. I don't know how this guy skates, but if I think it's those glasses, you think it is? But very intellectual feel about it. I mean, Tony Romo says one thing sideways and is like, "Oh my gosh, he's the worst thing ever!" Oh my gosh, mentioned skirts, right? But I mean, Tirico's sitting there basically saying, "Y'all don't know what you're talking about with concussions," and everyone's like, "Oh, he mentioned it." Okay. Let's get back on on point here. My apologies. It's okay. You know I love talking about that stuff. So, similar to what we were talking about last segment with the balance between rest and rep, uh, Jeff Levy was asked a very similar question yesterday during his meeting with the media, and you know that – you know that coming up today, it's going to be the same thing for Brent Venables as well, but here's what Coach Levy said. Because there's also in this some of the – that not work. Some of the young guys too getting some reps. Young guys did have a really good week. And they they got a bunch of work. Um, proud of of how Jay Gibb has has worked and and tried to put himself in a position to to help us on Saturdays. Um, you know, hadn't had a ton of opportunities to do it, uh, but again, he's uh, he's done a good job of being mindful and understanding that his time will will come as long as he continues to put in the work and being the same guy every single day. So. Just proud of his uh, his take on it and how he's he's attacked it. Now, now again, has he been mindful of that? <laughs> I I've thought a lot about this because it. I'll give Drake saw it right away. You know, we were in our post game show and Drake goes, "Oh, Jane Gibson just tweeted dot dot dot." And be clear, Jane Gibson was mentioned in the question, so it just wasn't unprompted to bring up Jane Gibson. But I also think, quick little, this is a well researched kind of thought out point that maybe we forget about because there's a certain faction of us that just think that you should come in and just be grateful that you're a college football player and just grind because you're a freshman. But for some of these guys and gals, right, this can go to other sports, you know, they're seeing some of their friends that are going to places and making plays and getting a few more reps. Now, Granted, those guys might be going to a place that is not at the level of an Oklahoma or, I mean, gosh, even you know Texas, Texas A&M, but they still see them and they're making plays, right? It's like, that should be me. And it's all they put it all over their social media accounts. And sometimes there's just a – there's kind of a, a need to have someone say, hey, man, it's going to be all right. So you can put out a cryptic tweet or everyone has a friend that at some point over the next – couple of weeks over the last couple of weeks has had the don't really have many details but just you know need your thoughts <laughs> which by the way family guy had a great bit about that when Seamus replied to Peter's tweet it's like I'll do whatever you want whatever you need Peter he's like I need your car <laughs> right everyone always throws out some sort of just you know really tough time could use your thoughts and maybe for some of these guys, that's that's the way they cope because all they've ever known in their life is social media. I don't have that perspective. There was a life before Twitter. For me, I'm old enough where there was a life before the internet, right? But 
that's not the case. And not only have these guys, you know, been probably on Twitter since high school, they've probably been on Twitter since their parents allowed them to have social media. Sure. So I, I don't try to get too carried away on anything and also realize, you know, there's the not necessarily pressure, but the envy of what their friends are doing and they're seeing it. And then also in that, the realization that I might not play that much this year and it sucks. And as my son told me this week, and you got a choice, you can kind of embrace the suck and get better, or you can tap out and go try to do something else. And, you know, Jane Gibson might be a guy that's very animated in his frustration sometimes on the sidelines. Uh, He might be a guy that has been in a roundabout way outspoken on Twitter, depending on how you read into it. But in the end, his coaches are saying he's a guy that's doing everything right. Dialed in, and we're going to see. I mean, you know, Jaden Gibson, whether he feels this way or not, is ahead of schedule for a lot of uh, younger receivers, right? Sure, absolutely. The fact that he's seen the field, period, has him uh, ahead of schedule and not mop-up duty has seen the field, right? right? I mean, legitimate snaps that matter. So he's ahead of schedule in that regard. And this would be about the time in the calendar year, Plank, where you come out of the bye week and, okay, now it's now it's go time for some of these true freshmen. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more thing here from Jeff Levy, then we'll move on and get to your uh, Air Comfort Solutions text, 405-651-3439. And let's be clear, too. One other thing on Jane Gibson. And we spent a lot of time talking about some young guys today, right? And, and we've spent a lot of time today talking about the position change and maybe get more clarification. And by the way, I think it is fair, speaking of the position change, before we get to this backup quarterback conversation, from the, uh, from the 918, that's nice that you're wasting an entire hour talking about a guy who will never touch the field for Oklahoma again. You're talking about DJ Graham. This guy's like <laughs> – I like this guy. He's pretty – you know, positive when you go through I know, right? this thread of text. Like, every single text is. But when it comes to DJ Graham, it's like, whoa. I, that, that's what, you know, that's been the great kind of debate off the air between Josh and I. You know, how truly newsworthy is this? It came out, it's like, hey, reports DJ Graham is changing positions. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? We got a lot of other things to worry about. They better beat Kansas or, you know, there's much bigger issues than whether or not number whether or not number nine is going to play defense. It's fascinating to me, and and like I've told Josh, I don't know if this is a me thing or if many others feel the same way, but I really thought he had the potential to be pretty special as a cornerback, cornerback. So obviously I was wrong, but guarantee you, Brent Venables will get asked about it today. And I think he's got the chance to be pretty special as yeah. a wide receiver. Yeah, I don't think he's not going to see the field again. But it's a fair question. Like I said, you, that text, you're my inner monologue, bro. That That's exactly what I'm dealing with. It's like, is this worth and spending hours or even an hour or a segment talking about? I don't know. And if we're just looking at percentages of players that make a position switch and it works out, you'd have to say that the majority – Not that there aren't position switches from offense to defense or vice versa where all of a sudden I'm thinking of somebody specifically at the University of Iowa last year that, guess what, is a Baltimore Raven and is one of the best centers in the National Football League. So there's there's players out there that make the switch and, guess what, wind up being NFL stars. But generally speaking, I would say that 
probably the percentage is plank if you make a offense to defense switch or vice versa that the numbers are in favor of maybe it's not going to ultimately work out but yeah again i'm not ready to just totally bury dj graham's future at oklahoma right greatest position switches off the top of your head now andre wolfolk doesn't count because he played both right because that's usually the first one. It's Andre Wolfolk. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy that was such a freak that he ended up being a first-round draft pick. I mean, he was uh, – and he, and he did both. Jamal Brown comes to mind, right? A guy that was a an all-world defensive lineman coming out of where? Lawton. And they moved him to the offensive line. And, again, a guy that had a great NFL career. I'm sure there's someone like right off the top of my head that is just not coming to mind right now. We'll see about Marcus Hicks, right? He was a guy, Blake Bell. There's a good one. But yeah, I guess Blake Bell did make that move while at Oklahoma, right? But still came back and quarterbacked. Mm-hmm. Blake Bell's a good one. But it's, I, I feel like Josh, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. Gabe Eichard, right? Gabe came in as a, as a tight end and. Became an NFL guy. Right. Lane Johnson, quarterback slash, which is still wild to watch Lane Johnson play on Sundays and think that dude started as a quarterback. I know. What? Um, but it's 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 rare. And not maybe, saying it's impossible, but it's rare. Maybe this is me speaking out of turn here, but it doesn't seem like in recent memory Oklahoma's just had this decorated history with guys switching positions and – it necessarily sure. turning out great. I, I will laugh. I, I I will say though, there's a lot of guys that I watch and I thought, man, if they put him here, he might be incredible. <laughs> but uh, um, I don't know. We'll see how this pans out. I'm intrigued by it. Isn't that what I said? Didn't I say Jamal you did? Brown? You okay, did. Okay. Yeah, but you know, some people just just maybe, flipping in. Maybe it's a bit of a delay too. But there you go. And again, I. I I don't, like, what would you even put the percentage at nationally that somebody switches offense, defense, and you know what? it quote-unquote works out? Let's, let's drill this a little bit deeper, just, just for the hail of it. What's the percentage of people that have started at one position and then got moved to the other side of the football and, and were started as effective? There. Yeah. It's, it's, I would say it's really rare. Chris Chester is a good one, right? A tight end guy that ended up being a all-world offensive lineman. Yeah, so a lot of guys up front. We're not – you're not giving me a lot of skill players right now, I guess is the point. We're getting the linemen and in the trenches. It's great. Not getting a lot of skill players. They move so-and-so from tailback to H-back. No, listen, this is a little bit more <laughs> – A little more involved than that. Right. All right. Um, someone had – I don't know if it was smart elecky or – had asked, was Jeff Levy asked about the backup quarterback situation? Back here, Coach. Curious, uh, it's nice that Dylan's back, obviously, but since he's been back, has the backup quarterback position, has that been looked at the same, or is it still Davis back there? Is there or I guess I'm asking, has there been more of an open competition since Dylan's come back? All those guys have gotten reps. Um, Davis is, has still gotten reps and continued to get better, but all three of those guys have gotten a little more work. 15-second question, five-second answer. Um, Coach, just to follow up on that, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) 
the young guys are are getting some love, man. I think there was a follow up to that though. To be uh, be honest, let's see. Hold on. With the way it went when Dylan wasn't playing, it did give you a little bit more, I guess, focus on that position now moving forward. In case you know Dylan does have to miss some time again. Yeah, I think the open date as well, just creating some reps for some guys and being able to free up from a time standpoint, being able to get some guys work was was needing and was was good. All right. There's a good 40-minute recap of yesterday's coaches' press conferences. If you want to hear the full things, un- full things, the full pressers uninterrupted, go to Soonersports.com slash podcast or search Sooner Sports Podcast, however you consume Probably podcasts. the rest of the week we'll continue to break down this DJ Graham position switch for you, for those out there. I, I just I, – I, I'm with the textures like you're – you're going to waste an hour on a dude that I, I – that's my fight. That's my eternal fight. It's like, how big of a story is this? Is this dopey Chris Plank thinking that this dude was going to be a rock star at corner, so you're trying to figure out in your mind where it went wrong? I'll be curious to see if Brent Venables goes a little bit more in-depth on it. And I'm how, sure he will. Story. Is it I'll, – I'll ask this, just dead, dead honest question for the handful of you guys that – that spend a lot of time on the message boards. I can't because someone says something bad about me. My ego's too brittle. I end up crying. Got to get my wife to build me up. And then she beats me down. Then I got to go talk to my girlfriend about it. It's just, it's just not good for me. But I'm kidding. But on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, has this been, been a big story on the boards? Ser- I mean, has it been something that people are debating and fighting about? Because that's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how big of a story it is. Now, if he ends up being a rock star at a receiver, okay. But DJ Graham, we'll see if we get more answers today. Quick break, Plank Show. Text next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. You want a stat? I like stat. Rod Babers tweeted this right as we started the show. Before arriving at Texas, Steve Sarkeesian had been the head coach at USC and Washington combined for 82 games. Okay. Probably could have been much longer at USC, but we know the issues. Sure. He had only lost in those 82 games seven games when leading at any point in the fourth quarter or overtime. Not bad, right? Since become Seven out of 82, right? Right. right. When, when they had a fourth quarter or overtime lead. Since becoming the head coach for the Longhorns, Sark has already lost seven such games in just 20 games as a head coach. It's weird, man. It's hard to figure out Texas. And, and I lump it with A&M, too. I mean, at least you can say Sark's in his second year. Jimbo Fisher's in his fifth year. I mean, look at this trash that Billy Lucci's putting out on Twitter. I had a screenshot this. Wait, what on. did he say? Hold on. Something about they're the greatest program Jackie, ever. Jackie, you have got to stop sending those texts in the middle of my show. <laughs> Say what you will, but Chimpo Fisher has done a nice job of steadying what was a very rocky ship on the road, as has Haynes King and the entire Aggie squad. Long way to go in Columbia, but the fight is what I wanted to see. For a three and four football team? The fight is what you wanted to see for a coach in his fifth season in Columbia, South Carolina against a South Carolina team that I think Jimbo and Texas A&M put like 500 points on last year. So, interesting. How about the – here's a question that I have. Breaking news this morning. They have many freshmen that have been suspended for Texas A&M. That's embarrassing. Right? How do A&M fans let someone get away with that? 
Could you imagine that's, if if Murdoch tweeted that in the middle of the Texas game? That's one of oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the top voices of of A and M. I know. That that's that is so bad. Um, I mentioned just the suspensions that they had. Here's a question I heard debated: If Jimbo Fisher didn't have a massive buyout. Like, in, in other words, if you saw his buyout was like $10 million. I think if his buyout was Venables' buyout, he'd be gone at the end of the year. Well, but, but Venables has a guaranteed contract, right? Didn't we learn that? Yes, we did. I, I'm just saying that the amount, which, you know, just the length of the contract, I mean, it's basically half as much money. Do you know how many seasons since 2016, whenever Florida State went 10-3 and and won the Orange Bowl? Do you know how many seasons they've finished the year since then with 10 or more wins or even ranked in the top 10? I don't know that they have. have One. They? COVID year. COVID year. They went 9-1. and one. Won the Orange Bowl. Right, and the they top played that five. lousy schedule to do it. Yeah. And even because everyone's like, oh, but it was all SEC. Yeah, go look at it. Go go look at what their all SEC schedule looked like <laughs> Yeah, they played the SEC Junior Varsity. I mean, it was really <laughs> – it was really quite interesting. They played uh, – now, granted, their best game, they did beat Florida, but that was at home, but got smoked by – they gave up 50 to Alabama in week two that season. Mm. So, Jimbo Fisher, excusinator 5,000. Nine and four, eight and five. The nine and one season, eight and four. They're three and four on the season. Keep an eye on potential transfers there. Um, Sooner Gary. Off the Air Comfort Solutions text line here quickly. DJ Graham didn't move any offense, maybe because he kept forgetting that he was in cover three and coming up to help linebackers, leaving wide receivers run wide open. He has incredible athleticism. Santa John. My memory serves correctly. DJ Graham was recruited as a wide receiver. Grinch moved him to quarterback because receiver was crowded and thought he had good skills for a DB. DJ thought cornerback was a way to get onto the field a little earlier. I think... He now realizes that he's not going to make it to the NFL as a cornerback and wide receiver is his best shot as long as it may be. Boy, that texture that's in my dome about spending time on a player who might not step on the field tends seems to, go, to be seems to be a lot of thirst for it. Yeah, seems to be some interest. Uh, and then this was actually, I wanted to answer this real quick, 918. I saw Venables Jr. on the sidelines Saturday, Clemson. Well, he supposedly left the team after his dad left. Just wondered why he stayed with the Tigers. Because he wanted to. He likes Clemson. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, Jake, good football. Or Tyler, excuse me. A good football player. I think one of his kids had to medically retire, right? But Tyler's still out there grinding away. He had surgery. Uh, and I, I remember reading the story where, you know, he thought about it after the cheese at Bull, but he realized, hey, I've got a good thing here. Um, I know these guys be starting out from scratch. If you go to, if you go to Oklahoma, and he's actually had a pretty good season. He had eight tackles last week. So yeah, that's why. Are we now at the point where it's like, well, why our depth should be better? Why didn't Venables bring his kid here? What's wrong? Have we reached that point yet? All right. Um, more of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Good takes. Keep them coming. Four zero five six five one three four three nine. We're about twenty five minutes away. From the Brent Venables press conference, we'll keep an eye on it when it hits the air at 11.15. But when we come back, I'm going to play a clip, which you guys to marinate in it, and tell me if you agree or disagree. All right? It involves the power of the SEC. And we'll get into it next right here on The Ref.
All right, all right, this will be perfect, the amount of time that we have. We got like one minute, one minute. All right, I'm going to play this for you. You tell me if you agree or disagree. I'll throw it out to the Twitter peeps and might be getting ready to go to their lunch break and uh, don't have a chance to listen because I found this take to be interesting. This is Peter Burns from uh, the SEC Network. Here we go. I'm so sick and tired of us like pretending that other conferences are as good as as the SEC, right? I'm I'm so sick and tired of pretending that TCU could hold a candle right now to Alabama or to Georgia or to Tennessee, and yet I'm supposed to feel that way. I'm so well, you know, UCLA if they keep undefeated, the Pac-12 supposed to be there. Why the hell should they be? The Pac-12 is a joke of a conference compared to the SEC. You look at recruiting rankings. You look at the uh, the amount of success in the past. You look at uh, the the guys that are going to be coming off of, of rosters to play in the NFL. And I mean, I'm supposed to to think that an undefeated UCLA team could could go. Blow for blow with Georgia? No, but what about Oregon? I, Oregon's already been blown out yeah, by Georgia. Lost, well, we've seen that once yeah. right now. All right, let that simmer. Think, think, think about it. Is Peter Burns on to something? Now, again, for full disclosure from the SEC Network, but we'll debate it next right here on The Ref.